This is Erica in Edmonton, Shannon in Durham, and Chip in Durham. Welcome to the Audio Guide to Babylon 5, Episode 104, Darkness Ascending. Well, you're just full of bright-eyed, <laughs> cheery chippiness. <laughs> I sure am. Yep. Darkness ascending. Just, you know, it's it totally means something. Actually, that was Stephen immediately was like, oh, so generic. These episode titles are more like ideas he had in script meetings for where the series is going to go. And just threw it on there. (laughs) That's fair. But it works. It works. And more excitingly, uh, welcome back, Janet Greek. It is nice to have a skilled director on board for an episode that, if I do say so myself, sort of cooks along and develops rather a lot. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I'd, I'd actually forgotten that she did come back for uh, this episode, and I was just like, you know, oh my gosh, I remember this name. <laughs> yeah, uh, remind me where she stands. I mean, I mean, at the top, there is clearly Mike Vihar, uh, who I mm-hmm. mildly suspect that Stephen, your control group husband, has built a shrine to in your apartment. <laughs> uh, but uh, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. he was pretty high on Janet Greek as well. Yes. Yeah, he definitely, definitely appreciated her work quite a bit in the beginning. So he was he was excited to see her uh, see her name in the credits. She's good on character. Yeah, she really is. And there was there's a lot of character here. So let's 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 jump in. So here is here's some stuff you might need to know going into this episode. And that is that the fragile new interstellar alliance has been plagued by distrust because parties unknown to them have been destroying ships of the member races. Many suspect the Centauri, but Centauri Ambassador Malari knows nothing about it. Mimbari Ambassador and Head of the Rangers, Delenn, has secretly sent Lanier to the edge of Centauri space to try to find proof. Alliance Intelligence Head Michael Garibaldi is a no-longer-recovering alcoholic whose fiance Lise lives on Mars. Lita... An ex-Sci-Core telepath now feels responsible for several hundred rogue telepaths, and she is determined to find them a home. Way back in the pilot movie, The Gathering, Narn Ambassador Jakar asked Lita if she would share some of her DNA with him so his race could work on developing telepaths, as they are the only race that has none. And that brings us to Darkness Ascending, in which Lise pays a surprise visit to Michael, and she is not pleased that he is drinking again. Lita is not pleased that she can't find work for her rogue telepaths. The Psychor has a stranglehold on any jobs for Teeps. Lando and Veer are not pleased to be shut out of pretty much anything involving the Alliance. Sheridan finds out that Delenn sent Lanier to the Centauri border without telling him, and he is not pleased about that, so he recalls the ship. Lanier, meanwhile, got very, very close to determining how to find the proof Delenn asked for, so he is not pleased about the order to return to Babylon 5. So he absquatulates with a short-range ship, and for a while, Delenn is not pleased at the thought that he might have run out of oxygen. He doesn't, however. Instead, he discovers proof that the Centauri are indeed behind the attacks on Alliance ships. Nobody is pleased about that. (sighs) (laughs) well done (laughs) yeah there's a lot of displeasure in this episode all around and yeah i kind of liked it i really did it's just (laughs) there was there was so much going on in this episode that it just i thought it it flew by did you guys have the same experience watching it 
I don't remember flew by, but certainly the, the check-ins with, you know, just about everybody uh, kept my interest going. It was uh, it was one of the things that Stephen actually noticed, in addition to the direction, which we've also mentioned, that that, that, that there's all of these storylines, and he really liked how the stories developed. It's a lot of intrigue, and everybody is involved, um, which was which was really interesting. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. It's a natural flow, too, from the previous episode. Um, and mm-hmm. again, you know, the the argument that JMS had online with some fans at the time that uh, our, our, the previous episode felt like uh, a, a slow slice of life. And here, here we get a fast slice of life, a fast slice of life. <laughs> and then def- definitely the repercussions for everything that was going on uh, previously. So it all builds. Mm-hmm. It feels, it feels like an arc again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, this is, this is serialized television sort of at its best. You, you have some slower episodes and then you get your payoff. And I feel like this was, this was a bit of a payoff episode. So, uh, so let's dive in and talk about some of the characters. Um, one thing I found interesting was uh, talking about Delenn. I thought it was it was a little sneaky of her to send send Lanier without telling Sheridan, which, as we discussed, Stephen was not surprised about at all. Um, but Sheridan was sneaky in calling him back. He didn't uh, he didn't mention that to Delenn right away. Did, did that stand out to you guys? They are a married couple. They are partners. But he is the president. She is the head of the Rangers. They have responsibilities beyond themselves, so or beyond responsibilities to each other. So this is an example of just because just because you're married doesn't mean that you tell each other everything. Nor could you. You see this all the time in real life, uh, in real life government or political or military positions where you keep some stuff private for security reasons, classified information, things like that. that I, I thought that that was just more of the same that happened here. Do you really think that there's a security reason for him not to tell her? Well... Because, you know, we get... Delenn explains herself that, that, that she was sneaky because she didn't think that, uh, that, that Sheridan would go along with it because Lanier is her friend and he loves Delenn. So whether or not that was the right decision, at least it, that makes sense. I the thing that the piece that I feel is is missing is why did Sheridan not just not right. just say I'm I'm calling I'm calling Linear back. Yeah, he's because got less. Gr- that- he's got less grounds for doing what he did. Uh, I think I was just sort of zeroing in on how you know she's in his office having the conversation uh, that he sort of eavesdrops on and then he, mm-hmm. he, he sort of hangs back and then he uh, comes back in to check himself. And, you know, that's pretty sneaky for a spouse, but that in it of itself seemed like a sensible thing for the president to do. You're right. After that, he's got a little bit less of a ground, solid ground to stand on. Yeah. And then we, we have kind of the sweet scene of the two of them in bed later where he's trying to convince Delenn that it's not her fault that that Lanier is possibly, you know, suffocated somewhere in the middle of, of Centauri space. Uh, but that whole that whole sequence, I was just screaming on my head. Yeah, it's your fault, dummy head. Like, <laughs> you're the reason that uh, that Lanier, you know, of course, it falls on Lanier. He's the one that stole the ship, but he stole the ship because the, they got called back abruptly, which was Sheridan's decision, not Delenn's. 
I don't know. Sh- Shannon, what do you think? I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I feel like this is them, you know, as Chip said, finding they, they've not been married very long. Um, they've not been in their new positions very long. And mm. this, I feel like, is like the, the first big obstacle they've run into. Um, you know, the fact that Delenn, I feel like if she had felt... 100% justified in sending Lanier, she would have gone to Sheridan and she would have been able to convince him that, you know, even though he is my very good friend and somebody I care about very dearly, he's the best person to send on this mission. I, I can't quite get over the fact that she didn't even try to go to him first because she assumed he was going to be overprotective and and try to try to talk her out of it. So, you know, I feel like, you know, that's sort of the, the first of the dominoes that then, you know, send the rest of the situation spiraling. I think a part of me is thinking that the bedroom scene, part part of me was thinking, you know, Sheridan is, you know, making really, 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 really sure that he is not saying I told you so. Um, is one of the <laughs> things that he is trying, you know, desperately to avoid because he knows that is not something that he should say. It, it, it's tangled and and it's a good thing that it's tangled because it shows that you know just because they have gotten to the point and they've gotten married and you know it's not all sunshine and roses um they've got a lot of things to deal with outside of themselves and uh between each other and now they've got to sort out whose authority it takes precedence when that's a very good point one thing that sort of brings me up a little short on this storyline is that I wasn't sure that I bought Delenn's logic that Sheridan would uh, protect her from mm-hmm. uh, sending Lanier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it comes out of Sheridan's own mouth in this episode, I still don't quite believe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have established that he is, in fact, Captain Cornball. Um <laughs> But he is the president now, and he's had some hard decisions to make, and he's mm-hmm. learned some bad lessons. And, you know, he did send uh, Brian Cranston to his death, although he made sure that, you know, he didn't have anybody that he needed to send a letter home to or anything like that. But mm-hmm. Sheridan's motivations in this don't quite ring true to me. Yeah. But it, it moves the plot along in the mm-hmm. way that the plot needs to be moved along. Uh, which which means that we get uh, Montoya back on mm-hmm. the the Maria with with Lanier, which I was pleased about because I had not remembered last time that we got at least two episodes of him. So I was I was pleased about that. Uh, and more Lanier. He's uh he's taking matters into his own hands. Mm-hmm. He didn't have as much to do in this episode, but he's a he's a good character. He's a good actor, good captain. Mm-hmm. I was pleased to see him again. As far as Lanier, this is a pretty hero moment for for Lanier. He, he is capable. He is confident. He is firing on all cylinders, and he gets the job done in in, in really mm-hmm. dramatic fashion. This is this is him being a Marcus character. He's totally a Marcus character. Ah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Compare yeah. and contrast to I cannot have an aide who will not be looking up at me. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. we did have moments yeah. of. Lanier being a badass all the way back at the first season when he got into the uh, bar fight with Londo and stuff like that. But he is fully formed as a ranger in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those uh, talking about direction again, I feel like those sequences were were very well acted and directed because it's it's one of those cases where you have an actor who's lying in a tube, basically, right. with nothing to act against, against except a uh, disembodied voice for the computer. 
Uh, and I thought those scenes were pretty effective. Yeah, I, I think the they did a good job uh, showing just how much risk he was taking to pull this off. Yeah, very clearly, not only that he was able to finish the situation to get uh, the evidence needed, but just how much risk he took doing it. Mm -hmm. There was genuine tension in watching him. um, You know, we've seen this episode before. We know he's not going to suffocate in this episode. And yet when he docks against the side of the Centauri ship and the umbilical brings oxygen into his fighter, I let out a sigh of relief. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was actually holding my breath. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Stephen Stephen quite enjoyed um quite enjoyed Linear's actions in this episode. He's just like, Oh, he's a little rebel. Just the fact mm-hmm. that he sort of disobeyed orders. I mean, mm-hmm. the ship was ordered to go back to Babylon five and it did. So technically, um he was within within his rights, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm hand-waving a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't usually pay too much attention to special effects, but I th- did Did those scenes of the ships look good? I thought they looked good. They looked, yeah, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they clearly were able to up their game in season five. Um, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. exactly what led them to do that. Uh, this was the second of two seasons where... Netter Digital did the graphics instead of foundation imaging. But there were all kinds of little touches like coming out of hyperspace from the inside, which we haven't seen a whole lot of the physics of Lanier breaking free and hiding among the wreckage as the Centauri uh, jump out. Things like that were just beautiful. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, they did a very stunning job. I don't know if TNT had a little more money to offer Netter Entertainment or what, but yeah, it did really look good. So the fact that we we end up getting this proof uh, by this time, though, it's it's kind of interesting that you have Linear off doing all this stuff. But by this time, it's not really coming as a surprise to anybody because everybody mm-hmm. suspects it. And poor Londo and Veer—they're the only old. ones who don't. Mm-hmm. Which was, I think, another opportunity for for good direction. I liked I liked the scenes with Londo and Veer. And the scenes where Garibaldi and Franklin, you know, whispering at each other or whatever, looking at them across the across the hallway, Londo sort of standing literally all by himself in the Zocalo, uh, not having anything to do, not having anywhere to go, you know, literally alone, emotionally alone. He and Veer now think that their friends are about to betray them, or they or they fear that, or they suspect that, and that's just. That's just awful. The thing that really struck me um, about this is this is coming at the same time that we are seeing Londo seems, you know, had just before had just arrived at this place where he wasn't happy necessarily where he is being prime minister and one step from the throne. But still, he is dealing with his situation much more maturely and with much more forethought. There's the, you know, whole um mentioned that gambling isn't interesting to him anymore you know he's he's not going to like go and find a woman and and play cards or anything like that because too much has happened too much has changed and he sees just what a waste those activities were and you know the, the the fact that you know he's arrived at this place where he is in a position where he can be a solid and really good leader and everything is about to blow up 
Yeah, it's just Again. falling apart around him. They even slide in the uh, the Londo's confusion about why does the Centauri Royal Court care about the timing of shipments? Like that's mm-hmm. not something they've cared about before. Um, so he's he's noticing it as something that's mm-hmm. strange, but he's not following it down that path any any farther, which is another thing that it's just like you like you're you're so close. Yeah, you're so mm-hmm. close. And as the final shoe is about to drop. His people, or his people, uh, I don't think they were his people at all, on Centauri Prime are starting to feed him a little bit of paranoia that we think the advisory council is going to blame us for the attacks and you need to stop this. And so this is, I'm expecting the worst at this point because he's being prepared for to draw the exact wrong conclusions or the exact mm. right conclusions. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, the most beautiful and sad and beautiful moment of that entire sort of plot line was at the end when Delenn just hugs oh, yeah. him. Out yeah. Of blue. yeah, as she said, that's nothing she's ever done. Now, granted, the first season or so, she was she was a full Membari, and Membari don't do hugs and touches, but since developing her half-human side, there's no holding back with physical uh with physical contact and it's taken her this long to to do so yeah but boy didn't that feel like a kiss of death you know she (laughs) she legitimately cares about him and yet Mm -hmm. that's true if i'm if a hug goodbye (laughs) yeah i mean yeah londo's expression at the end of this you know this this he's scared All right. Any anything else that you guys would like to point out about that part of the storyline before we move on uh, to talk about a, a different couple and their struggles to keep it together? Um, well, you know, we talked about sort of, you know, Londo's advancement, but just how, you know, he and Veer are more of a functioning team than I think mm-hmm. they've ever been. Veer digging up uh, all this information uh, and gathering it for him, uh, you know, even though he's still sort of ostensibly taking care of Londo, supporting Londo. In turn, Londo has been trying to get him set up to um, become ambassador. So they're just, they're on more equal footing than they've ever been before. And it's kind of neat to see. Yeah, he is very much the ambassador in waiting at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, well then, uh, let's talk about Michael Garibaldi. Um, quite an interesting beginning <sighs> to the episode there, huh? Uh, dream sequence, too much or okay? <laughs> I was fine with it. Yeah, I think I was fine with it, too. It certainly emphasized the guilt that he is not admitting to himself over the fact that he has let his uh, issues take over again. Mm-hmm. Our, our control group actually didn't really, you know, who has in the past really not liked dream sequences, didn't really say anything about it. So which makes me think that he was kind of okay with it. And I wonder if maybe it's because this particular dream sequence is not so esoteric and cryptic and stuff. It's pretty mm-hmm. in your face and obvious what's what's happening. Right. Until we it, get right. to the weird part with Lita and glowing eyes. And then Steven was like, whoa, boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, uh, before we get to Lita and boundaries, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, I love a good Dutch angle when deployed correctly, uh-huh. and Janet Greek deployed them correctly. The dream sequence is very clearly a dream sequence right from the top. Um, you mm-hmm. know that this is not real. I just, after a certain point, the ginormous gun uh, 
<laughs> was possibly a step too far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but the Lita part, and we'll get to Lita a little later, but in, in this moment, you know, that is just pure creepy. Um, I am testing. I'm testing myself. You don't remember this. And, you know, and, and then he wakes up and it never happened. So Lita browsed around Garibaldi's mind and did stuff that she really shouldn't have. And there's no there's no consequence for it. But did she? Not yet. <laughs> and and there's the other thing, you know, is was it was it actually her or was it Garibaldi connecting the things that Bester did to him and, mm-hmm. you know, and thinking, you know, this is what Lita could do. So, yeah, I think it's open to interpretation very much because, you know, if 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 he really didn't remember it, I mean, I guess when we see him wake up all freaked out, we don't know how much of it he remembers. Um, So we don't actually know if he remembers the bit with Lita or not. If he does remember the bit with Lita, it was probably just a nightmare because he wouldn't remember it if she was doing her 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 work right. Um, But, yeah, I guess it is very much open to interpretation. I was taking it pretty literally, but. This is this is a dream sequence. So, mm-hmm. I, your your point is well spoke. Then we get the reappearance of Lise, and it's about uh, time. Stephen says, "Holy spit!" He didn't say spit, so she <laughs> is back. Um, he was not <laughs> expecting her to ever appear on the series again. I don't know why. Just every time, he's always just like, if somebody hasn't been around for two or three episodes, he expects the show to just completely forget about them. But he should have more faith. Yes, <laughs> ensemble casts are tricky. Yep. <laughs> But that's what I keep saying. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so she's back uh, and and she she catches him pretty Mm -hmm. quick. Yep. (laughs) Um, In some respects, her role as Denise Gentile's role as Elise is kind of a thankless one. She doesn't get the opportunity to be heroic. She can come across to certain impatient audiences as a nag or something like that or as a but you know a, a negative stereotype i i really like what she does in this episode uh she stands up for herself she calls garibaldi on his bs she forces some critical conversations while at the same point uh communicating that she loves him i was glad to see her back and i thought that she, i thought that denise gentile's stepped it up a notch from her previous appearances well she has more to do here than she has ever had before i think that helped as well that she had the actress had things that she could do with the role that she didn't before i agree with the word thankless chip i think that's Mm -hmm. that's very well put um and it's it's one of those things where her her entire function is to do all of that stuff which is the thankless stuff if that was coming from another character that we knew like say dr franklin or something it would feel a little bit different because we we know that character whereas we don't really know lise we haven't had the time to get to know her so it's it's understandable that to to some people that she might come off as just uh, harping on him when really they actually have this long relationship that we were just not entirely privy to so so i agree that i I like what she is doing and at the same time i also kind of feel like that's that's all she gets to do it's that's that's her her one note and her acting style is still very very soap opera which is not for me (laughs) um i i I can see that i i was a little more uh, positive on it um i thought that the scene after she found the bottle 
I thought that she did a good job, but I thought Jerry Doyle did a great job. Yeah. His his performance is as this this storyline has progressed, I feel like he has it was just it stepped up his game with with every escalation of his his issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of his stuff in the previous four seasons, you know, is still kind of big. It's still Bruce Willis. I'm a mm-hmm. character. I'm a jokester. I'm a tough guy. Kind of broad stuff. Here in season five, he's having to do a lot more domestic acting. And I think that Jerry Doyle rises to the occasion. He he does have one section that I was particularly curious uh, about your guys' reaction to, and that's in the restaurant where mm-hmm. we get uh, him just doing a great big uh, recap info dump thing. Now, Stephen liked it. He, he he said out loud, he said, thank you for the recap. It really helped. Yeah. And he was sincere <laughs> about it. How well, you... to be fair, we're, we're talking season one stuff. I mean, that, that has been a while ago. Not only that, but season one stuff and a lot of the people who are watching this on TNT in real time are just really, really cold you know if 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 they're not even watching the reruns you know they've they've started watching this show in its fifth season you know i, mm. I yeah i'm with you i i thought it's a great recap and then he sneaks away to pour booze in his coffee yeah the only thing that struck me about that is if if he supposedly hasn't been to this restaurant for ages then how does the ma- maitre d know that um he's back on the habit of taking alcohol uh, that was ah. the only thing that had me scratch, scratching my head i have an I answer didn't... for you Oh, okay. I didn't even get the impression that the Mater D had that thought. I just, I just thought it was that's what sometimes people do at restaurants when they're trying to hide from their spouses. I think that well, that's part the- of it. But also, the Fresh Air restaurant is also the restaurant from which he ordered his suicide pizza a couple of weeks it? ago. It is. I think that, okay. they, I think that people talk. Ah, okay. That could um, be. I, I could see that. I, d- I did not remember him... I did not remember that it was fresh air that he called for a pizza yeah. delivery, given that it's supposedly the nicest restaurant. And I don't know. <laughs> well, when you, it was, and mm-hmm. when you're when you're drunk, sometimes you just <laughs> you treat yourself. That's mm-hmm. that's how that works. <laughs> okay. Uh, good point, Chip. Good catch. <laughs> so, anything else about Lise and Garibaldi before we move on to yet another couple? A couple in quotes. Garibaldi's actions regarding his drinking, very believable. Uh, mm-hmm. The the show of the, the, the demonstration that he's in control by pouring the bottle out, the mm-hmm. demonstration that he's not actually in control by spiking the coffee. It's, yeah, it's very yeah. believable. The, the only part that I did not feel believable, and I was willing to let this go because it's a TV show and maybe it's the future and they have future alcohol. But when she walked in to the room in the very first sequence, the scene that she's in and, you know, got near him, she should have been able to smell the alcoholic coming out of his pores Good <laughs> because point. he was drinking yeah. so much the night before. That is that is not a thing that you can that you can really hide. But like I yeah. said, it's the future. Maybe it's different. Maybe they have. Oh, my God. They've got the hall. It's a crossover. <laughs> With with what? I don't, I don't know what that is. Synth hall. That's the the fake the, the fake alcohol in Star Trek: Next Generation. Oh, okay, I did not know that. So yeah. save that up for the next inconceivable. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Well, the other uh, quote unquote couple that I was referring to was Lita and Jakar, showing us how long term continuity is done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> Can you was... believe? Six years. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that, that that was that was my I feel old in real time because we've been doing the we've been doing the podcast for almost five years. The the show's mm-hmm. almost over. And yeah, they haven't had a one on one scene since the pilot movie six mm-hmm. years previously. That is just amazing. And the show calls it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. The fact that the show JMS remembers that that tiny little thing that was planted that early um, is is great. And the fact that Lita remembers it is 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 equally as great. Mm-hmm. She's she's had a lot of life between then and now. But yeah, but that's I suppose the way he uh, proposed it is something that would maybe stand that would out. stick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although Stephen did not remember that, uh, right. that scene at all. Um, but but again, I feel like the writing handled it very well. And they they've recapped it just fine. Yeah. Without an as you know, Veer. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that was a good uh, recapping to for anybody who had not seen um, who had not seen or did not remember uh, the gathering. And for two actors who haven't shared a lot of screen time together to sparkle so well in this mm-hmm. scene, it was playful. It was, dare I say, a little sexy, uh, even though we're talking yeah. about a dinosaur in a redhead. Um, <laughs> um, and we saw a little bit of old Jakar come back, not so much lecherous Jakar as conniving Jakar. Mm-hmm. Um there is some enlightened self-interest at work here. His people do need telepaths badly in a self-defense kind of way. The Shadow War is over, but the Narn will always be at a disadvantage among other races if they don't reactivate their telepath gene. So mm-hmm. Jakar at at first hesitates because he doesn't want to do anything in secret from the rest of the Interstellar Alliance, but then Lita makes the cogent point, this is an, as internal an affair as it gets, and his government is okay with it, and he's perfectly content to keep that secret. So that's that's uh, Sheridan, Delin, and Jakar uh, playing their cards close to the vest for multiple reasons um, in this episode. Lots of secrets are required, uh, but I keep coming back to my favorite word re- relating to this show, real politic. Mm-hmm. And he tests her too. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. that was a very interesting thing for him to do to make absolutely certain that that she is someone that he can trust. Um, because you know Jakar from the Gathering, I don't know that he would have cared. <laughs> and <laughs> and you know Jakar now is going to make absolutely certain that if we do this, um, that we are going to be working you know together on this as partners on this, and we can trust one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of draws a line between, you know, keeping something secret from the alliance because it's an internal affairs and, and keeping it on the up and up. Like both yeah. both things can exist. She's she's not willing to go against the the alliance um, and keeping a secret from the alliance is not the same thing necessarily in, in, in their minds as uh, undermining in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a nice touch. So Lita. Her motivation for the deal is, I think, really interesting. It's been a while since we've seen her, and since she's been gone, she's been doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Not just testing her own abilities. Yeah, she's she's been all over the place trying trying to help out. Um, I, I found it interesting that the Psychor, yet again, is uh, basically cock-blocking her and trying to get help for her 
uh, mm-hmm. get help for her telepaths. And it all comes down to insurance. Isn't that the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Some things never change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know that we always want our episodes to begin with, you know, the taxation of uh, trade routes or in dispute or something like that. You know, it's, they have Some an argument like about that. insurance at the top of the episode. <laughs> and that's not exactly... That's not exactly compelling, but it does get us to this point in the show, mm-hmm. and that's and that is that is fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it kind of helps make the the guy that she's talking to at first, you know, reasonably sympathetic. I mean, you know, it it is a reason that frustrates us, but it, it is it is a reason that we can understand mm-hmm. that is keeping him from from helping. And we get another, I think, fairly decent um, guest actor. But mm-hmm. that that scene was one of the one of the ones where, had it been somebody else who played it less deftly, that could have been a truly excruciating scene, talking about mm-hmm. insurance and stuff. And and this yeah. was a, a fellow who, you know, it, he seemed like he would have been perfectly happy to help her out and make this deal, but got to do what makes sense for himself and his employees and his company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lead is a player now, and she hasn't been a player. For a while, she's been more of a pawn, and she feels like she's making some moves. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about what Stephen thought of the telepath. You know what? He, uh, again, he didn't really even say anything. So I think he was just he was very much caught up in the the rhythm of the entire episode. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he was f- focusing on, oh, my God, the telepath is here. Because we've seen enough of her recently that I think he's sort of gotten used to the fact that she exists again on the show. Uh, but, yeah, when the show was over, I, when the episode was over, Stephen, he he actually applauded. Like, he, he clapped. Okay. Uh-huh. And he just said that was a good, taut little episode of things happening. He said it makes me want to watch the next one right away. Like, it, it, he yeah. was just really really on board and then he also said good job little Lanier I can't believe he said little but good job little (laughs) Lanier he's a good little guy finding stuff uh and then but then he says I still think of him like a little puppy and I'm like well I mean I guess that's true he went out and dug up a bone and brought it back yes all right well any uh any final thoughts before we assign some homework I'm glad, as we said at the top, I'm glad that the arc is progressing and we're in full-on serialized mode. And I look forward to the next one, which is yeah. going to be another shiny, happy-go-lucky titled episode. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at my notes, I see two things that I failed to bring up when we were talking about the plot threads in question. But both sort of harken back to continuity in general and how this particular episode really seemed to like you know pull on the threads of older stuff it surprised me that sheridan classified Naroon as one of the people delenn lost on the level of marcus hmm. that sort of made me think um okay yeah he turned out to be a valuable ally in the end but they they didn't have that much time to develop a relationship <laughs> um oh, so that that made me sort of think that sheridan Whether this is just, you know, lack of knowledge of Mimbari culture coming into play again or what, just, you know, that that sort of surprised me slightly. And I also uh, had noted down that when Londo's talking with the officials back home, how, you know, you've got to watch out for what the Alliance is doing. And that guy is so quick to blame the Narn again. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's always the Narn with some Centauri people that all their their troubles can be laid at their door. Racist Centauri. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it is now time to assign homework for next time. Please watch, as Chip said, it's another cheery title, And All My Dreams 
torn asunder. Yep, that's the title, folks. Uh, but until then, <laughs> do join us at b5audioguide.com where you can chat in our spoiler-friendly and spoiler-free threads or say hi on Twitter and Tumblr at b5audioguide. And at this point, if you are on your first watch through of B5 and want to avoid spoilers, please head back to the station because we are going to attach ourselves to this convenient Centauri ship as it hops through a jump gate into spoiler space. I aspire to your segues. <laughs> oh, there aren't, I don't have that many more to do. So I'm just really trying to, to make them pop while I can. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. You guys, Stephen is so excited about Lanier and his achievement. And every time he gets excited for Lanier, it breaks my heart. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. And, and this is really, this really is peak Lanier. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. He's a little stiff at Sheridan uh, when he uh, gets back, but, you know, he's been in a tin can for days upon end. Uh, well, no, so I, mean, he, I mean, it, it, he's always going to, at this time, he's always stiff with Sheridan. I mean, you know, that's, mm-hmm. he, he is at a point where he sees him as a rival and he doesn't know how he's going to manage to get rid of this rival. It, it, it's, it's tearing him up. I mean, what struck me is, you know, here he is, um, talking to them about you know sort of the mission and then he says a line that is something to the effect of um you know we you know we do we live for the one we die for the one and at that point Lanier is talking about Delen not mm-hmm. Entelza you know that just right, right. leaped out at me yeah and the one is not just Delen you know Sheridan is part of the one as well not right now to Lanier though right not right, right now not at that point <laughs> So I've got a bad feeling about how Steven's going to handle Lanier's betrayal. Yeah, I'm just I'm so curious about how he's going to feel because, I mean, he's had the, I, I would like to say, benefit of our, uh, I'd, I would like to say, wisdom as we have <laughs> uh, gone through the non-spoiler section of this podcast and he has been listening along. So we have I, identified a lot of the things that I didn't notice my first mm-hmm. time through we um, have but we've sort of held back and saved most right, yes. of that it, for spoiler space for because they're spo- because it's spoilers yeah yeah yep. yeah so yep. what we need is for one of our listeners because none of us have enough time for this we need one of our listeners to make a <laughs> babylon 5 linear fails supercut video <laughs> the, the, the nice guy supercut yep oh yep. god so your mission if you choose to accept it is to take all of the scenes that we've been talking about in Babylon 5 mm-hmm. demonstrating Lanier's hangups over Delin. And, you know, sp- uh, we'll make it easy for you. <laughs> Most of them are in this season, uh, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, if you could have that ready for us and we will, <laughs> we will cue you. We will cue you. Once Stephen has seen Objects at Rest, we will, we will cue you and you can send us the link and we will share that with him because he may need the help. <laughs> Of course, knowing fandom, that thing that might exist somewhere, and yeah, I just haven't searched to find it. It's <laughs> yeah. possible. If 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 Babylon Five was was a show that had been airing any time in the last five years, I would absolutely assume it existed. Uh, the fact that it's uh, a little bit older than that mm-hmm. makes me think maybe not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But poor uh, poor Stephen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was this was this was sort of the uh, Linear's high point, and um, yeah, now. I can't remember how many more times we're going to see Lanier between now and objects in, at rest, but um, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know, in in order to truly fall, you got to be up up higher. And I think this is mm-hmm. maybe maybe this is a little bit of a, an extra push toward that fall because mm-hmm. he he has succeeded. He has done something important for yeah. for the entire alliance and feels like he is more worthy of of Delenn yeah. at this point. Well, and I think that sort of, you know, leads up to it. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think back to the episode in question, but it strikes me that Lanier's action was born of one impulse. You know what? You know, yes, the feelings had been there all along of in love with Delenn and jealous of Sheridan, but it was just this matter of an instant of Sheridan being trapped somewhere and Lanier being the only one who can get him out. And he just makes that split decision, the wrong decision, and it wrecks everything. So I think the fact that, you know, he, you know, even though we've been watching him moon over Delenn, there has been nothing to show yet that he would actually be capable of doing this. And I think that's sort of part of the point. Yeah, it is part of the point. And JMS lampshades that in the script when after Sheridan is rescued and he's uh, recovering, he says that he he never would have thought it. He doesn't understand mm-hmm. it. And, right. And Delenn says something about we all have a moment of weakness or something like that, which uh, that'll be the that'll be the key moment for Stephen about you know, whether he buys that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, you know, when we first saw it, a, a lot of us were like, whoa, I don't buy this. Why did you do this to Lanier, JMS? And we've been watching all along going and watching yeah. him lay the groundwork. We still, mm-hmm. it, I still, I still wonder how I'm going to feel when we get to that moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. But I do, I do think this episode to me feels like another sort of a brick laid in that uh, in that road on the path to that because because the the fact that he has the confidence that this this built um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe if he didn't feel like he was he was as as good as as he is after this episode he wouldn't have made that split second decision down the mm-hmm. road in the future right who knows um, but uh, Lanier is not the only one that is that <laughs> is, is going to have a, a fall. All hell is going to break loose for the Centauri. <sighs> Poor Londo. I'm not sure what else to say about, right? you know, we've, we've said so much about where he's going, uh, but uh, it is so sad seeing him in this position in this episode. Yep. And, and the fact I had forgotten the fact that so many of the other races already sort of suspected it and that it was mm-hmm. just kind of in their heads. I had not remembered but that that sort of makes it make more sense that they are ready to just go guns a blazing for centauri mm-hmm. prime and yeah there's not really anything Delenn and sheridan can do at that point sheridan when he's handed the data crystal he you know he wants to get rid of it he's mm-hmm. very uncomfortable even having it the information sets them down a road that they don't want to go on but they must follow and poor Londo, yeah. And uh, and one thing that I had not myself remembered about uh, about this season and and how people end up, but you guys have reminded me, is that not only do Lita and Jakar have this deal, eventually they become a buddy team and head off into space together. Yeah, because things don't go so well for either of them. The Jakar is frustrated about his lack of influence with the rest of the Narn. They are taking his ideas the wrong way, and mm-hmm. I think that they, if I recall correctly, they're really offended that he is not 
with them uh, raining righteous fire down on the Centauri. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Lita, it's not going to be too long before those lines that she said that she wasn't going to cross, she crosses. (laughs) Yeah. So Jakar takes her with him for her own good as well. So these are two characters that are also ending up in places that they'd rather not be. Lita is going to die within the next five years at the uh, climax of the telepath war. These are two characters that have kind of peaked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And as you mentioned before, the, uh, the the sequence between them was sparkling. And you said a little sexy. I'm going to say a lot sexy, uh-huh. uh, especially that last line as she is walking out and saying, you know, about my pleasure threshold. I recently found out I don't have one. Exits, yeah. <laughs> you know, exit stage left. It just I, I I did not notice that in any of my previous sort of watches through, and now my headcanon about what they do in their spaceship as they head off together is very different. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anything else that you guys noticed? I mean, every time we we head into spoiler space, it's like there's less and less possible. Yeah, information yeah. to talk about so did you catch less, anything else less and less story ahead um mm-hmm. i think that covers it for me i think that yeah the roller coaster is starting to speed up on the downhill slope well said yeah once again thank you all for joining us the end is nearly in sight and we are so honored that you have been along for this journey we will be back in a couple of weeks when shannon tears our dreams asunder so until then <laughs> this is erica and edmonton Shannon and Durham. And Chip, I'm used to it. (laughs) And you've been listening to the audio guide to Babylon 5. Dude.